At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It is a game day edition, Hornets on the road at Oklahoma City. We'll have our game preview for that one. We're also going to be talking about how the Hornets are going about surviving all of these injuries. They've lost a lot of point production, a lot of playmaking with the absolute Absences of Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and Malik Monk, which don't seem to be ending anytime soon. So we'll talk about how the Hornets will navigate that. And we're going to look at a list that got a few national sports, particularly basketball pundits, hot and bothered. The NBA Best 25 Under 25 list as published by ESPN. We'll talk about all these things with Will Kunkel. You see him nightly on Fox 46 right here in the Queen City, and he's one of our favorites here on the Hornets Hivecast. Will, how are you? Well, I'm not injured, so I'm still working every night, so I guess that's better than most of Hornets can say right now, Sam. Sad but true. Uh, the, the injury bug is something we'll talk about in a moment, but let's talk about one of those injured Hornets because he's been getting a, a lot of social media attention based off a list that ESPN put out just yesterday. They put out a best 25 under 25 list. And look, a lot of these things are meant to drive conversations, attention. We all understand that. And I am always prone to fall for clickbait anytime they, they put it out there. But... <laughs> In this case, I feel like some of the pundits are being unduly harsh. So let's set the stage here. They put out a top 
25 list. Uh, really, most people are, are focused on the top five or 10 because that's just the way these things work. Uh, but it's looking at the NBA's best 25 young stars under the age of 25. And a lot of the usual suspects are on the list. You've got guys like Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, and LaMelo Ball is there. Now, I don't know for sure if you've seen the list. I, I gather you might have, Will, but where do you think LaMelo Ball should be on a list of the top 25 players under the age of 25? Oh, my gosh, that's so tough. Um, out of the names you named, I definitely think he's below all those guys. All those guys are established maybe better than Zion, but I don't even think that because Zion's had a heck of a year. He's definitely, I think, below those guys. They're more, much more established. Lamelo's only got a half a season, not even so far. <laughs> a, a fair point. Uh, the list, as ESPN put it out, they've got Luka Doncic at one, Zion Williamson at two, Lamelo Ball at three, and at this point, apparently, Stephen A. Smith stopped reading because when he went on one of his several shows on ESPN, this is one of his quotes. ESPN needs to drug test anybody that had something to do with this list. He went on to complain that Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns, was ranked behind LaMelo Ball. He was also upset that Donovan Mitchell was behind LaMelo Ball and that LaMelo Ball came before Jason Tatum. I think drug test is a little harsh, but the overall top 10, you've got guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons of the 76ers, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell all behind LaMelo Ball. LaMelo is the youngest on this list. He is the only rookie in that top 10 list. It's probably on the aggressive side, but when we roll back the clock 10 years from now, where do you think LaMelo would rank on a list since th this is top 10 under 25, so presumably it's trying to project what they would do in the future? I mean, if you want to play 10 years from now, I'm okay putting LaMelo Ball top five, top six, but that's, and I think it's a very slim margin. Assuming LaMelo grows as great as he, you know, can be, then he'll be up there. But it's not like these guys are, you know, scrubs. These are, Jason Tatum is one of the best basketball players in the league right now, let alone potential. So if you're just going to say he stops getting better, then I guess he's above LaMelo Ball. But what says LaMelo is going to be better than Jason Tatum, who's one of the best right now? Listen, drug test is, is aggressive, but maybe check into a home. I don't know, but that sounds crazy. I love LaMelo as much as the next guy, obviously. My, my personal take on this, I think LaMelo should be somewhere between four and six on this list. And, and some, I think, are, are way off. I agree with Luka Doncic being number one. He's, he's going to be an MVP candidate for a long time. So that one, without question, he's ahead of LaMelo right now. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Jason Tatum. One, he's an extremely, extremely talented basketball player and a gifted scorer individually. But in terms of his impact on teams and winning, this guy's been in, been on deep playoff run teams several times already. So I would agree with you. I think Jason Tatum needs to be ahead of Lamelo right now, and I would say the same thing about Donovan Mitchell. Both those guys have been the premier player on teams that have made playoff runs and. And at least in my opinion, when you're looking at best players, the impact on winning should be first and foremost. Yeah, and I think Zion has a massive impact for the Pelicans. They're not a great team, but he's been better. Again, LaMelo's been in the league for half a season. Like, and I, 
I don't know how much they're weighing potential with what they've actually accomplished, but obviously what you've accomplished has something to do with it because Luca and the guys that are up there are up there. It seems like they're kind of picking and choosing when they want to weight potential versus what you've accomplished a little bit as well because Mitchell's better, Booker's better, uh, Zion's better, you know, arguably right now, Tatum's certainly better. I'm sure there's a couple, there's a handful of guys, at least right now. Well, I, I think that's where it comes into play. They're basing it on future potential, and I would push back a little bit, not too hard, but a little bit on a guy like a Devin Booker or De'Aaron Fox who's on this list or Shea Gilgis-Alexander just because those guys have had a couple of years to establish themselves in the league, and they've also established that they, at least to this point, have not impacted winning the way that LaMelo Ball has on the Hornets. I know it's a very small sample size, but... Charlotte's gone from a team that was not in the playoffs in some recent years, not close to it, to when he got hurt, they were in the top five in the Eastern Conference. And you look at Devin Booker before Chris Paul got to the Suns, I don't think his team ever finished better than ninth, and that was one time. Zion Williamson, as you mentioned, the Pelicans have not been very good, even though he's played at an all-star level. That's not impacting winning as much as LaMelo, at least to me, has done so far. So I don't have a problem with LaMelo being ahead of those guys right now based off his potential. Uh, I do think you know there's a, a cluster, him, probably Zion, and Ben Simmons, that I think you know you can mix them up, and I don't have a real problem. But I would put Lamelo at least for now ahead of Booker, ahead of Fox, ahead of Gilgis Alexander, because those guys have not impacted winning on their teams, at least to this point, in the same way Lamelo has on the Hornets. You'd put Lamelo above Ben Simmons, who's been, you know, he's a tough one. Joel Embiid disappears. You know, the best player on his team? Well, that that's the big thing is, you know, I think it's close. I don't have a problem with him being slightly ahead, and I don't have a problem with him being slightly behind Ben Simmons because it's a, it is a bit of a toss-up on if Philadelphia did not have Joel Embiid, what would they be? I think, you know, those two are so closely tied together it's hard to separate, and and really, this list is not talking about can you be a good contributor on a team. It's can you be the star of a team? Can you lead a team? And Lamelo's shown that potential at least as well as Ben Simmons has, in my opinion. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with this list is that they pick and choose when they want to use the heavier portion on what they've accomplished versus their potential, or vice versa. So it seems like they're using the potential aspect more with LaMelo in order to boost him up, and then just all of a sudden kind of removing what he's done compared to what Jason Tatum's done. Does that make sense? Like It's weighted differently for each player depending on where they want to put him in the list or how they want to justify it. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Jason Tatum absolutely deserves to be higher. He is he's a lot closer to Luka Doncic than I think just about anyone else in the league. I and think his... he's better than Zion. Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. I think Luka and Jason Tatum are clearly the top two on this list, both off their individual abilities and what they have done for their teams. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell is, is the closest to those two. And then after that, I, I don't understand Zion at number two, because even though he's barely played a full season at this point, you know, just out of respect to the those two guys and what they have done in their couple of seasons in the league, they deserve to be higher. 
So with all of these names we've thrown out there again, well, I, I get so Luke is ahead, Jason's ahead, Jason Tatum's ahead. There's a couple other names. Where would you put Lamelo? Right now, I would put Lamelo behind. I would put him ahead of Zion. Yeah, I think that's I just just so I don't have everyone hating me. I put him ahead of Zion, but I put him behind. Um, what was it, Mitchell or uh, Booker? Excuse me, no, Mitchell, Mitchell, uh, Tatum, and Luca for sure. And then I feel like I'm missing somebody, but four or five at best. Five. I, I think four or five is is fair. I think that's a, about right. And hopefully he'll have a chance down the stretch to uh, prove even more how much of an impact he can have on this Hornets team as he tries to make a comeback from his wrist fracture to have an impact on the final few games. He's one of a handful of injuries the Hornets have had to deal with, and we'll talk about how they'll go about surviving them with Will Kunkel of Fox 46 after this here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there at Spectrum Center for a Sunday matinee April 11th when the Hornets host Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks at 1 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Farber and Will Kunkel from Fox 46 here with you on the HHC. Will, the the team obviously has dealt with a lot of injuries to this point in the season, but lately it's been worse than ever before. Every other injury, with maybe the exception, well, actually the only exception being Cody Zeller at the start of the season, it's been an unaffixed timeline you know, it's it could be a week, it maybe it's a little more. Sometimes they linger, but for the most part, we expect the guys to come back relatively soon. Right now, the Hornets have at least two guys and probably three that potentially could miss ten to fifteen games from this point on, if not the entire season. So as they deal with all of these injuries, we've seen a couple of good performances. The one against Indiana I thought was one of the best games of the year. And we saw a real dud against Boston where a very talented Celtics team uh, got the better of the Hornets. What is your prognosis on what the team is going to look like in the standings by the time they get Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk, and maybe LaMelo Ball back? I am, I am scared they're going to be outside the top eight and maybe outside the top ten only because it's it's going to catch up with them and it's just going to wear them down. And if P.J. Washington doesn't start scoring, then they're in big, big trouble. And that was the biggest thing against the Celtics and how that dud kind of came about. So he's got to step it up. Um, it's a great opportunity for him as a silver lining, but I, I get worried that not enough guys step up and then all of a sudden it just wears on them. And this team just isn't good enough to have injuries. So they're top-line guys. If they're 100% healthy and they play well, they can hang with almost anybody in the NBA, at least for a given game. But if they're injured and they're not playing well, then things can get very dicey. You really think they could fall outside of the top 10? Because right now 11 is Toronto. They are five and a half games back of the Hornets. So they got to make up a lot of ground in roughly 10 to 15 games and Toronto hasn't been playing very well. They lost, I think, seven out of their last 10 uh, they're, they're not exactly putting a lot of pressure on anyone above them. 
No, you're right. And that's what, so the reason I say this is because remember we had you on CSL and we were looking at the 538 percentages and they had Toronto passing Charlotte. I'm like, all right, well, these people are smarter than me. They do math. I don't do math. So I guess they know something I don't know. And then all of a sudden Charlotte gets all these injuries and you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm wrong. They better be in the top 10 because I have tied my, tied my rope to them and I'm, I'm riding this train and I love it. But it, it just worries me that it catches up because when when injuries hit and they rain like this and you're not deep enough already, that's when I get worried of what could happen. Well, I, I personally think the top eight, at least for, I don't know, at least a week, I mean, it's hard to look too much further than that, um, you know, should be safe because they have a two-game lead, two, almost a three-game lead on the Indiana Pacers plus the tie break. Uh, and, you know, there, there's some f- more favorable matchups here. Uh, the Hornets are going to play Oklahoma City. That should be a win, you would think. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Here's what head coach James Borrego had to say about how the team is dealing with these injuries. You know, Tay and Terry could get a little bit more in their areas. I think Miles is one. I think PJ is another. You know, I think you can look at Miles and PJ as two guys that can create some more offense for us. Obviously, we've lost when you lose 50 percent of your scoring. It's significant, you know, and it's not and it's not just the scoring, Rick. It's also the playmaking. You know, we've lost. I want to call it like 70 percent of our playmaking between Mello, Gordon and Monk. You know, that, that's a significant amount of scoring and playmaking that we've lost. I think Miles and PG are two guys that can make it, you know, make up in that area. I'm not asking them to to make up, you know, all 50 percent by them by themselves. We're going to do it collectively. But I think PJ and Miles are two that can you can point to to have significant impact on our offense right now. Well, I think the mantra from coach there and from several players we've talked to has been this is not an obstacle, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for guys who had not been relied on to have as much of a usage rate or as much ball handling responsibilities or scoring to get their shot. And then one thing Terry told me yesterday for the Hornets Hivecast was that this is an opportunity that last season's team never got. That They were starting to play well, they beat Miami, then things shut down. They never really got their last month of the season to prove that that squad could have been a playoff team, and they ended up finishing ninth. So, you know, this is maybe a chance for some unfinished business. Uh, this team, an opportunity to show what could have happened a season ago and then be in a better spot when those significant pieces do return to hopefully make a run. So, yeah, and they're one game away from, I guess, being out of the top eight. And to Borrego's point, yes, Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington are having more of an opportunity. But an opportunity doesn't mean success. I mean, you can't have 21 minutes, three points on one of six shooting, which is what P.J. did in Boston. So we need more from P.J. I mean, you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. He, he's had a couple of, of tougher shooting days. I think overall on the season, his numbers are fine. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, he's taken less shots this season than he did last season, and his scoring is basically the same. So, you know, he he's almost identical in terms of his three-point percentage. Uh, you know, he, he's doing fine. I think some fans are expecting there to be this huge jump that he was supposed to go to a 20-point-per-game guy. It's really hard to score 20 points if you only take nine shots a game. Yeah, I agree with you, and his numbers are comparative and competitive to last year, and they're okay in the long term. But when you lose all these guys, if you expect him, someone to step up, the numbers have to go up. 
right? So he, those numbers have to go up. That doesn't mean that they go up to 20, but I mean, you got to start averaging at least three, four points a game more than you normally are with the opportunity that you're going to get. No doubt, no doubt, and and this is that opportunity for him to do so. And quite frankly, you know, the last two games where uh, the team was playing without Gordon Hayward, he's only averaged eight points per game. So certainly, they they do need more from him. I uh, certainly think he will step up to the plate and take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, Hornets need him to. They got to survive these injuries so they can advance into the playoffs for the first time in five seasons. They're in a, a decent spot to do so. As I mentioned, they've got a five to six game lead over the number 11 team Toronto to at least make the play in. And even though they're you know one game away from falling to eighth place, they're also one win away from getting back up to fourth. And that win could come today as the Hornets are taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the at least based off their recent run, the outright worst teams performance-wise in the association. We'll talk about the matchup next here with Will Kunkel on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with the right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit hornets.com slash dunk hunger. Will Kunkel of Fox 46, you can see him nightly on the evening news as well as Charlotte Sports Live, which I've always enjoyed going on with him. And Will's kind enough to join us again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Will, a matchup tonight with Oklahoma City might be exactly what the doctor ordered. It's not a healthy Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, or Malik Monk, but it is a team that has... uh, quite frankly, been terrible the last three games. Thunder overall in the season are 20-30. and 30. However, their last three losses have been by 24 points or more, including one at home against a Detroit team that is worse in terms of their overall record. So uh, I don't know that it's necessarily a race to the bottom, but they're not exactly throwing on the brakes at Oklahoma City. What is your take on this matchup here tonight for the Hornets? Well, I'm looking at the guy that we just talked about in the last segment, P.J. Washington. I want you to have a big game tonight, P.J. I know you listen to the podcast. I know you you love Sam Farber. You're a big fan. So tonight, I'm looking at you to have a big game. You had 18 points last time you played these guys, second game of the season, along with eight rebounds. A lot more opportunity tonight. So if he has a big game, I can definitely see them running away with this one by you know more than a dozen. Well, the, the opportunity is most definitely there for P.J. because let's presume they start a center, that they start Biz or Zeller. His matchup is going to be the rookie for the Thunder, Alexei Pokashevsky, who I don't know if you've seen this guy. He's seven feet tall and 190 pounds. Now, <laughs> he is a really skilled player. I actually like his game. He's got a, he's got a good shot. He's a pretty smooth mover for a seven-footer, but he weighs 100 and 90 pounds if he has to guard pj washington good luck good luck is right pj can wear that dude down so let's go pj get your numbers tonight and let's let's get let's have a get right game for yourself and build your confidence up one thing about the thunder that i found interesting 
despite their bad record at 20 and 30, despite the fact that they've lost their last three games by 24 or more, they have not lost three straight games at all this season. They have never had a four-game losing streak. So that that scares me a little bit. <laughs> huh. Oh, man, you have you either have the best or worst research team. I'm not sure which after hearing that and getting nervous, but Let's let's hope that, that we can tack one more L on there and put, add a little bit red to their schedule. It, it would be helpful for the Hornets. Uh, their their win to break their last three-game losing streak was actually against Toronto, uh, which helped the Hornets, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Um, they beat Toronto by 10. Their other recent wins, they beat Houston, who's not very good, Minnesota, who's not very good. Uh, you know, before... They lost their superstar, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's been out with, I believe, a foot injury uh, for a while now. Uh, he was helping get them quite a few wins. You know, they, they weren't a great team by any stretch, but, you know, they were within five games of 500, and then he goes down to an injury, and all of a sudden the bottom fell out. Yeah, I, I think I remember him coming here and putting up about 24 and a half. He was close to a triple-double, if I remember correctly, so... I still be not to see him tonight. That'd be good. Yeah, if if he plays, it's a very different team. He hit that game winner against the Hornets at Spectrum Center on a opening night, or at least home opening night for the yeah, Hornets. Yeah, yep, that's right. You know, he would be someone to watch. He could definitely be a, a difference maker. I've seen him listed as day to day, which of course means he could come back for this one. Um, but if he doesn't play, this team seems very thin particularly in the post position. They've signed some guys recently to kind of 10-day contracts or two-way contracts. Uh, Most of their bigs are extremely young and slightly unproven. you got uh, Tony Bradley, who they just got uh, from the 76ers, and then Moses Brown, who had his two-way contract converted to a full-year deal. Um, But, you know, again, these are very young centers, and if they're matched up with a Cody Zeller or a Bismarck Biombo, that means someone has to guard P.J. Washington, who is either shorter than him or a guy like Pokashevsky, who's giving up 40 pounds at least. 40? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm in for it. We'll see how it all transpires. Hornets could certainly use the win. It help them to bounce back and get that bad taste out of their mouth after the game against Boston. And then finally... The Hornets uh, will have uh, one more game on this road trip before they get to return home. They'll play Milwaukee, and we'll, of course, have our preview podcast for that one a couple days from now. But I want to say a big thank you to Will Kunkel of Fox 46 for joining us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate you, bud. And thank you to all of you for tuning in as well. We will talk to you tomorrow with our post-game podcast, reviewing the result of the Hornets at Oklahoma City. And if you are so inclined and want to listen back to yesterday's podcast, we had an exclusive one-on-one interview with Terry Rozier. He gave us his insights on what it's like being a clutch performer, his prognosis for the rest of the season, and got to know him a little bit better as a person off the floor. Highly recommend it if you have the time. Till next time, for everyone here on the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber saying thanks for tuning in. And in the words of LaMelo Ball... Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.